You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for the website there at BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. We're with you right here, though, weekday mornings from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, where you are going to find the very best in chocolate, the champions of chocolate. They're going to crown an SEC softball champion on Searity at Road Stadium. But you already know, when it comes to chocolate, the undisputed champs right there at Peterbrook Chocolate Tier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 ba Woo! of sports talk radio and i'm guessing at this point jacob harrison has perused that pittsburgh steelers 2021 tackle football schedule up down side to side so give it to us jacob what is the outlook in your opinion for the vaunted traditionally prestigious franchise known as the pittsburgh steelers come this fall Boy, it lo- it don't look good. <laughs> it, it don't I tried look to good. give it as much glitz and prestige as I could in the run up because I anticipated that kind of response, Jacob. I thought that might be coming. Hey, I mean, they're a good team, and they're they're you know they they've got Hall of Famers on both sides of the ball, and they've got Tomlin, and you always feel good as long as you got a healthy quarterback. But keeping the quarterback healthy is going to be. Uh, priority number one this year and i mean they've got the hardest schedule in the nfl bar none and starting off with the the bills and then finishing up with just a terrifying six game stretch to to close out the season uh not crazy about it not crazy about it at all now did i read this correctly the tampa bay buccaneers based on schedule strength have the easiest schedule for the upcoming season did i read that correctly I don't think I saw that one. I think I just kind of yeah. zoned out after I saw that the Steelers had the worst. <laughs> <laughs> zoned out, passed out, maybe fainted, maybe just straight out fainted. Uh, a better better way of talking about that Steelers schedule. You know, from the Jacksonville Jaguars perspective, our Jacksonville Jaguars, 
Uh, it could have been a lot worse, I would say. Probably somewhere in the middle of the pack of the 32 teams when you talk about projected schedule strength. Uh, I don't mind if you're going to go on the road to open a season. Going to Houston right now doesn't seem like the worst place to have to go to open on the road. And you got some interesting matchups. I'm kind of frustrated with the London thing at this point because, yeah, it's a year in which AFC teams get nine home games in comparison to the eight road games due to the 17-game schedule coming into play. But, of course, our Jags have to spend one of their home games in London. So it's really 8-8-1. Not a big fan of that. I'll tell you, a couple of super weekends, if you're an Alabama observant uh, and a Jacksonville Jaguars enthusiast, if you're sort of that combo, a couple of huge weekends for the Jags and Alabama. October the 10th, the Jags get the Tennessee Titans at home. The day before, Alabama travels to Texas A&M. And then in early November, on the weekend of November the 6th, you've got LSU in Tuscaloosa, and you've got Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills in Jacksonville on November the 7th. So there you go. Some combo weekends if you uh, pay much attention to the Jags and the Alabama Crimson Tide. 205-342. 9904. That is the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with Jacob and myself, we are guest free. We are wide open throughout the program. Big weekend, obviously. Big week in Tuscaloosa as the SEC softball tournament continues on. We now know Alabama's opponent for the quarterfinal round today over at the Rhodes House. That will be the Kentucky Wildcats for Patrick Murphy's club later this evening. Of course, Kentucky earlier in the season took two of three from Alabama up in Lexington. So if we'll see if Montana Fouts, Alyssa Brown, Bailey Hempel, the rest of the crew can even things up with Big Blue after the Wildcats knocked off Georgia in first-round action yesterday to advance to the quarterfinals. So you've got SEC softball tournament action continuing on. Speaking of the Diamonds, you'll have Alabama baseball traveling to LSU this weekend. And by the way, can the Atlanta Braves never play the Toronto Blue Jays ever again? What is it? 0-5 in like the last week and a half against the Blue Jays following the Braves' latest loss uh, to uh, Toronto, which isn't playing in Toronto these days, as we know. The Braves' bullpen once again falters, but look, you got to score more than a run. Come on. And so the Braves coming up here in the next 15 minutes or so over in the ATL will look to end the snide to the Blue Jays with an afternoon game, a business person special, as they've been called in the past, Atlanta and Toronto. And also you learned that Max Soroka now is going to have exploratory surgery on that Achilles Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Braves need bullpen help. Braves need to score more on a consistent basis. Braves just need to be more consistent all the way around. We talked about it on previous shows. Win three, lose three. Win four, drop three. Just when you thought this club was about to creep over 500 for the first time this season, the wrong team apparently, the wrong opponent for that to happen, checked into Truist Park 
with the Blue Jays. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolate Tier Studio Line. We'll also look at Alabama football in depth today. We'll look at positions of particular interest where there's continuing competition going on into the summer months, into fall camp in August. We'll also get outside the Alabama program and we'll look at some other teams around the league with an emphasis on Alabama opponents and an emphasis, as is typically the case, the quarterback position. I mean, you're talking about teams like Arkansas, teams like Mississippi State, LSU, Tennessee. They've all got competitions going on. I guess you could say Florida does as well, although Emory Jones is expected to be the guy to follow up Kyle Trask down there in Gainesville. So we'll get into some of that as well. Um, The Pac-12, how about this? The Pac-12 coming up at 1 p.m. Central is expected to name the successor to Larry Scott, who did a great job. Well, if you ask Pac-12 fans, he did a great job of lowering the bar for the next person. So whoever is is next, and we've seen reports, by the way, that the Pac-12 might be considering multiple people for like a dual commissionership out there in the Pac-12. You know, I tweeted earlier this morning, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Snoop Dogg or maybe Will Ferrell out there on the West Coast. But we'll see exactly what the Pac-12 plans to do, of course, early on in the process. About the only thing with this Pac-12 commissioner's gig that has gone the way I was told it would go early on was that it would be essentially April to May, somewhere in that time frame that an official announcement would be made in relation to the opening. That's what we're seeing here on May the 13th now. But everything else in terms of candidates, I think candidates that were brought to my attention were certainly approached and or vetted through the process. Uh, But it hasn't gone exactly that way. Oliver Luck, we're seeing this morning, uh, being mentioned now is is not a factor uh, for that gig. Uh, we had heard Greg Byrne mentioned very heavily early in the process. You saw a month or so ago, it's been now, I guess, that Greg publicly announced that he was not a candidate, uh, maybe no longer a candidate for the Pac-12 commissionership. Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, had been linked to the job, so we should get an answer. I know you're all on the on the edges of your seat. You just want to know who's going to be that Pac-12 commissioner, don't you? We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, we're going to get football heavy. We're going to take your phone calls at 205-342-9904 when a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier returns right after this. If you're in... Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny today, the high for this afternoon around 73. For tonight, fair and cool with the low at 49. We look for a warming trend tomorrow and Saturday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 77. Saturday's high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Uh 
of course, as Stevie Wonder. Happy 71st to Mr. Stevie Wonder. It's Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday morning. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, we are wide open throughout today's program. Yeah, I was talking about our Jaguar schedule and that London tie-in that continues to sit there like feces in a punch bowl. Um, And the biggest thing about it this year is it's not just a home game that you lose to London, but it's a home game against the Miami Dolphins. So you were really looking forward to seeing that rematch with Trevor and Tua, Jalen Waddle now, a Miami Dolphin, Raekwon Davis, Robert Foster now, a Miami Dolphin. Dolphins are pretty bammed up at this point, aren't they? Yeah. Got to see if Tua, see if Tua can get some protection. Certainly going to get some help from his old pal Jalen Waddle. Who knows? Maybe Robert Foster is able to stretch the field. Foster does give that rotation something it needs. It needs a vertical presence. And Rob can uh, pick him up and put him down pretty good. So maybe he'll be able to make an impact down there in South Florida as well. Speaking of passing game and passing protection, I'm working on this piece that will go public on BamaOnline.com later today. Around 2 p.m. Central, you'll see this at BamaOnline.com. Position diary for the offensive tackle position. And we like to put Jacob Harrison's feet to the fire here on the program. So, Jacob, if you've got your asbestos socks on, we're ready to do that once again. I want to know from you, who will be the starting offensive tackle opposite Evan Neal when Alabama opens the season against the Hurricanes of Miami in Atlanta, Georgia, Daddy, on September the 4th? Man, that's tough because <laughs> we didn't learn a lot from A-Day as far as those I'm gonna, offensive I'm going to give you some guys. I'm going to give you some guys. I know you probably already have them in your head, but Kendall Randolph, he was out there first with Evan Neal on A-Day. Um, the two true freshmen, they are early enrollees, J.C. Latham, Tommy Brockermeyer. Could it be Damian George, a second-year guy? Give me a guy. I, I was not impressed by the freshman at A-Day, and I know there's a long time between A-Day and, and the opening game against Miami, 
So I, I think it's Kendall Randolph, but I don't know if he holds on to that job. I think it's a good point. I think it could be one guy that opens the season against Miami, and then by the time you get to LSU in early November, maybe it's another guy, right? I think what you're probably thinking is what I'm thinking about Kendall Randolph, and it's trust first and foremost. And since you're opening against a capable opponent, and whereas Miami lost some pretty quality pass rushers, as we saw in the NFL draft, they still bring in a transfer like DeAndre Johnson from Tennessee that should be capable. You're going to just trust, I think, based on what we saw agreed at the end of spring. I think you trust Kendall Randolph right now anyway, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the way you have to view it, especially when you're playing a team like Miami that has a, a reputation for having good edge rushers. But but just think back to two or three years ago when Alabama had a brand new offensive line almost across the board. It took weeks for that offensive line to come together. Uh, and that, you know, I think that was Evan Neal's freshman year where he was sliding and playing in a bunch of different spots before he was finally anchored at right guard. So I think this season could be very similar with Chris Owens and Evan Neal being the only guys that are really set put. Yeah, Landon Dickerson moved around a pretty good bit a couple of years ago between guard and then ultimately center. You saw Chris Owens in there at center and in and out a little bit a couple of years ago. I think that's a that's a fair comparison potentially for this Alabama offensive line looking ahead to the 2021 season. But just at that tackle spot opposite Evan Neal, do I think Kendall Randolph is you know, a 10 year in the NFL type of guy as an offensive tackle? No, I think Kendall Randolph is pretty much a tweener, which is what allows you to do with him what you have at the tight end position the last couple of years, but he knows the lay of the land. He knows what's coming. You, you, I do agree with you on the two youngsters. I thought we saw their inexperience a good bit in the eight, a game. I thought they did some things that were foreshadowing of potential greatness as well. Uh, But you saw some edge rushers take advantage of their youth on more than a couple of occasions, showing them some speed early, right? Guys like uh, guys like uh, Jamari and Latham uh, showing some speed early and then mixing in some inside counter moves to get those guys moving hard one way and then switch it up on them a little bit. So obviously some polish needed. You anticipated that with early enrollees. Everybody kind of looks at that position and just thinks, oh, wow, uh, the next Cam Robinson, the next Jonah Williams. These guys are five stars just like Jonah Williams and Cam Robinson were and Andre Smith, if you want to go back a ways. It's not that simple. And certainly Alabama, you put these guys against the quality of Alabama edge guys that the Crimson Tide has accumulated here in recent years, and you know it's going to be tough. The other side of that is you're going to expedite the development of young offensive tackles when they're going against Christopher Allen and Will Anderson and that type of elite edge presence on a daily basis. So, you know, I really think there's a possibility still for one of those guys to emerge, but what happens between now and probably more specifically the end of this month, because guys are kind of on their own right now before they'll reconvene uh, in, in mass anyway, coming up at the, the end of the month here in a couple weeks, what happens between Memorial Day and really Labor Day, essentially the summer months, is going to go a long way in determining 
who that other guy is to Evan Neal. And still, I wouldn't count out Damian George, the second-year player, either. Now, right now, he may be better suited to work inside, but if he can get his stamina where it needs to be, more so than anything else, because going back and watching the A-Day scrimmage and watching Damian George get some extended run in the second half at the right tackle spot with the ones, Evan Neal, you go back and watch. We talk about the the edge pass rush effectiveness for the Alabama defense in the spring game. Well, it wasn't working against 73. It might have worked against 60. It might have worked against 65, 76, those guys. And I don't even think Evan Neal was 100% because, remember, the previous Saturday he had been injured in that second scrimmage of the spring, left the scrimmage. So just watching Evan again, he doesn't look like he feels great, but it doesn't matter. He is still stonewalling Christopher Allen. He is still stonewalling Chris Braswell. And to be fair, as we know, there was no Will Anderson uh, in the spring game. So that helped matters from the pass protection perspective. But you know you're good with Evan Neal. I mean, that dude looks like every bit of what will likely become Nick Saban's seventh first-round tackle during his time at Alabama. Leatherwood became the sixth a couple of couple of Thursdays ago now. Seems like that's flown by, huh? When he went to the Las Vegas Raiders there in the middle of the first round. But Evan Neal looks like he's right behind in becoming number seven in a year's time. So you're still trying to figure some things out at that other tackle spot. Right now, I lean more towards where Jacob's at uh, with uh, Kendall Randolph and trust having everything to do with that when you talk about a, a fifth-year senior. Uh, but you saw some good things, I thought, from the early enrollees. And again, I think Damian George can be in that mix. It's just going to be for him. Whereas I think with Latham and Brockermeyer, it's more about adding functional strength and power and really balance and all, the, all of that, just polish and technique as well not being as much of a waist bender, you know, showing some knee flexions, showing some improved pass set, things like that. I think with Damian George, it's almost like it's almost like what Evan Neal has continued to go through, really since his time at IMG. And where this has all benefited Evan Neal is that familiarity going back to IMG with Dr. Matt Ray and David Ballou. You know, those guys were at IMG when Evan Neal was down there initially. Evan was one of the rarities at IMG in that he got down there early. You see a lot of guys at IMG, it's their junior or senior years of high school football before they get down to the Bradenton area. I think Evan was there in ninth or 10th grade. So he developed a relationship early with Ray and Ballou. Now they're reconvened in Tuscaloosa, and that's just helped Evan. Evan has made gradual and impressive strides in terms of getting to where he needed to be in terms of his weight and everything else. And I think that's kind of where Damian George is right now. If Damian George has a great summer in that regard, I will not be surprised at all if you see him out there against Miami on September the 4th. Going to step aside for another break. We come back. More college football talk with you at 205 
342-9904. It is Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier. More of the show right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. That's not Jacob Harrison upon first glimpse of his Steelers 2021 schedule. It's actually the uh, intro to this one. Isn't she lovely as we celebrate Stevie Wonder's 71st birthday here via the playlist theme of the day on Southern Fried Sports. Alabama softball tonight. Taking on Kentucky in the quarterfinals of the SEC softball tournament at Rhodes Stadium. Alabama softball in great shape for one of those national top eight seeds, which means it would host through the super regionals. So not a lot of pressure on Patrick Murphy's team to advance deep or even win this tournament, but it's in your home ballpark, right? You don't want to lose on Thursday night and then sit around and watch other people play for a championship in your crib the next two days. I had a little league baseball coach when we hosted tournaments at our park. I don't know. Maybe Jacob Harrison had this coach too, but our incentive to go deep in tournaments that we hosted was that we were the grounds crew as well for our own tournament. So it was enough to have to do that. In addition to trying to play baseball, but man, You'd much rather play baseball and serve as the grounds crew than not play baseball and get the field ready for other teams to play in your park. I don't think that's the case for Alabama softball. Pretty sure it's not. They've got people for that at the University of Alabama. But uh, there's incentive nonetheless. You don't want other people playing for championships in your park. You know, picking up on the... uh, the offensive tackle spot from the previous segment, by the way, you know, you have to consider these cross trainers and all this stuff too. That's why this thing is wide open, especially when Nick Saban talks about getting his best five players on the field. You look at the spring and you look at the spring gang and there's Davion Cohen and Tommy Brown working at the guard spots. Now, Emil Echior was out for the spring. So that's one spot that's going to be occupied by a returning starter once Echior is good to go or is expected to be good to go by the time August rolls around. So between Cohen and Brown, you could see one of those guys at a guard spot. Again, you could still see Damian George at a guard spot. But you could also see one of those guys that isn't a starter at guard still very much in that mix at right tackle to go along with the early enrollees to go along with Kendall Randolph. So, uh, in other words, in other words, we still got some stuff to sort out there at right tackle for Alabama. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. And I bring back Jacob Harrison. Once again, poor Jacob Harrison, man, we don't give him any speaking of softballs. We don't give him any flat pitches 
with the round ball here on the program. So, Jacob, we're going to go over the defensive side of the ball, and now I'm going to ask you for that season opener against Miami. Starting inside linebacker opposite Christian Harris. Henry Toatella, Jalen Moody. Who are you going with there, Jacob? If uh... – I think this one has a lot to do now with that SEC rule. If they allow the inter interconference transfer and allow Toa Toa to play, if Toa Toa is eligible to play, it's him, and it's no doubt uh, he he's he's too special. But that being said, uh, Jalen Moody has has more than proved his worth as a run defender, a uh, good thumping linebacker with with athleticism to boot. Uh, so in those run situations, goal line situations, I, I would not be shocked to see him subbed in and roll some heads. You gotta think Henry Toa isn't going to Alabama because he thinks he might not be the starter, right? Right. He, he, you know, a big part of it is he's going to Alabama because he envisions what could have been maybe even a couple of years ago. If Toa had gone to Alabama initially, as many had forecasted, um, you know, we could have seen this duo of Harris and. Toa Toa a couple of years ago with the injuries that played out in the preseason of 2019. Now it looks like we're going to get to see this come to fruition just a couple of years deferred. I don't count out Jalen Moody at all because as we've talked about here on the program in the last few days, I don't know if Alabama's had a guy take a bigger step forward anywhere, any position on this football team as Jalen Moody has. And what you're talking about with Moody in terms of skill set, that was pretty much my evaluation of Jalen Moody eight or nine months ago. More of a between-the-tackles guy. Yeah, you get him in there and maybe some short yardage and some in some uh, in some goal line situations. And you know, he can do the dirty work between the tackles, but what he showed us in a limited time, I thought, last season and then even in the spring game on A-Day is this guy continues to evolve and expand his game to move outside the tackle box, not just in terms of athletic attributes, the ability to go sideline to sideline, but diagnostic. I think they tried a screen or two and understanding. If you're on the Alabama defense, you see this Alabama offense every day for 15 days. There's some things that are just going to tip you off, even pre-snap. You're going to see a formation and say, well, here comes a screen or here comes an ISO. Um, you know, Here comes a slice with the, the H-back motioning and either blocking or slipping out into the flat. So you have an understanding of those things. And things are very vanilla, uh, as we know, offensively in spring games. But... That's impressed me as much anything. His readiness, I guess, is what I'm getting to. And it wasn't just what I saw in the spring game. Said it before, going back to the Arkansas game last December when he was put in that spot very early, very quickly with Christian Harris going out. Okay, you got to jump in there and maintain the standard of play. And I thought he maintained it easily. Again, it was Arkansas, and it was a point on the schedule where Arkansas, with its inferior depth and personnel in general, just did not need to see Alabama late in the season with that roster. But I thought Jalen Moody was outstanding. I think he'll be uh, – they'll, they'll figure out a way to make it work with those three guys. And, and, again, the good thing about it is 
you're talking about three veterans of that system. Yes, Toa Toa's been at Tennessee, but we know the ties to Nick Saban, Jeremy Pruitt. He's walking into a seamless transition in terms of what he's going to be asked to do. And these are guys that should be adept at both the Mike and the weak side position because in a defense like Alabama's, those are largely interchangeable. They cross-train guys at both those spots. And so that shouldn't be an issue. You should be able to if you want to anyway. You don't typically see a lot of rotation at the inside linebacker positions, but Alabama's going to have that luxury if that's what they want to do. They want to try to keep guys fresh. Let's say you're going against Ole Miss, right? And Ole Miss is, as Nick Saban calls it, throwing the fastball offense at you. And Ole Miss is a threat to get into 75, 80, 85, maybe even 90 plays. Be nice to be able to rotate even at the inside linebacker positions. Certainly would have been nice to have been able to do it in Oxford last season, right? Yeah, I think a lot of Alabama fans (laughs) would have been happy with a rotation of some sort across that defense in that performance against Lane Kiffin's team. But, no, the point remains. I think they have three starter caliber linebackers. But, yeah, it's hard to envision Henry Toa Toa coming from Tennessee and uh, and not – being the starter at weak side linebacker, I'm assuming it'll be weak side uh, with Christian Harris there at the middle linebacker position and making the calls. Where it'll get interesting is who comes off the field. You know, who do you take off the field uh, when you get to your dime package? Or do you take one of those guys off the field? You know, they didn't really, even with Dylan Moses last year, as the every down inside linebacker for much of the season, You still didn't see Christian Harris come off a lot. They keep Christian Harris out there, move him off the edge, do some different things with him in the pass rush. So that's where I think you could even maybe have a role. You could have a role for Jalen Moody in that look. You go to your dime, you keep Christian Harris on the field, maybe you move him around a little bit, and then you play Jalen Moody at that Mac position right there in the middle field, and you take – Henry Toa Toa off. 205-342-9904. We're talking about Alabama props. What to do with all these dudes, essentially, is what we're doing on the program today. We talked about the offensive tackle position opposite Evan Neal. We have just now covered the inside linebacker scenarios with Henry Toa Toa joining the fold, as Jacob noted, assuming the SEC does what just about everyone expects and approves of intra-conference transfers moving forward. I have absolutely no clue to what benefit that would do the SEC to say, no, you know, the the Big 12 can do it, the Pac-12 can do it, the Big 10, the ACC, but nope, not here. I, I don't I don't know to what benefit that would that would provide the SEC now, it would be a benefit probably to Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt wouldn't have to worry about maybe its best players spending a year or two in the program and then shopping themselves to, say, the Alabamas or the Georgias or the Floridas of the league. But, uh, you know, we're already seeing it. We've already seen it uh, with grad transfers. So got to think it's just a formality 
at this point. We're going to step aside for a final break. We come back more of Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Hey, Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny today. The high for this afternoon around 73. For tonight, fair and cool with the low at 49. We look for a warming trend tomorrow and Saturday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 77. Saturday's high at 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A boy's born in Hawkeye, Mississippi, surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong, moving in the right direction, living just enough, just enough for the city. That's some, uh, that's some Waffle House jukebox selection music right there. I may have played that one in a local Waffle House on the old touch tunes jukebox you know now they've got an app for touch tunes where you can pretty much run any of their jukeboxes from your phone yeah i dropped probably 20 bucks on that loaded up the waffle house jukebox had this one on there so many tales from the waffle house and of course we are home to one of the more prestigious Waffle House alums right here on Southern Fried Sports and Mr. Jacob Harrison. Now, Jacob, were you a grill person? Did you get to run that grill? No, no, I was a waiter. Okay. Well, I mean, we're going to pick your brain one day. We're going to go. <laughs> okay, let, let me ask. Let me just ask you this, Jacob Harrison. What's the one thing you won't order from a Waffle House? Or is there one thing that you wouldn't? Or the thing you wouldn't advise ordering from Waffle House. Well, I mean, clearly you should not go to Waffle House for a steak, but I, but other than that, uh, <laughs> those aren't dry aged. Those steaks, right? The Waffle I, House, they're they're it? they're just flat out pitiful. But but for me, are they steak? Do we know that they're steak? I, I think they are. They're just they're just pitiful. But steak byproduct. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's a it's a triple order of hash browns, completely all the way. And I, it's oh, because geez. I did it to myself. It's not because they're bad or anything. It's because I ate that one day right before Triple work. Triple order. And I was just miserable. <laughs> what is it? Is it Pete's Chili? What's the name of the chili? God, I can't, I can't remember that. The Waffle Man, we should, uh, if you know the answer to that, 205-342-9904, Waffle House Chili. You know, the oldest daughter, she actually loves, I, I would never get chili from the Waffle House, but the white, uh, the oldest daughter loves the, the, uh, the, the Waffle House chili. Burt's, Burt's chili. In fact, according to this report on the old ever dependable internet, Jacob, Burt's chili is a top selling item on the Waffle House menu. And it was invented by the former Waffle House president and CEO, Burt Thornton, 
in the 1980s in Dallas. There you go. Each pot of chili at the Waffle House is still made to Burt's exacting specification. There you go, Burt's Chili. Maybe I haven't been loving up enough on Burt's Chili at the Waffle House. The oldest daughter swears by it. Now, did you get the chili on that triple order of hash browns as well? Oh, I had the chili and the gravy. <laughs> Dude. I've eaten all the way. All, every single now, thing you can put in I, I the, gotta take a Zantac the hash and I'm just listening to this. Right. No, I did that right before work, and I worked a, a midday shift, so nobody came in. So I was just sitting there, just miserable all day. What was the most popular order that you took there at the Waffle House? It's probably got to be an all-star. All-star breakfast. Yeah. yeah, people love it. Yeah, I'm cheese and eggs guy at the Waffle House. That's the go-to. I like the cheese eggs, uh, hash browns instead of grits. I like. I bet you got tired of this. You got tired of me. Uh, bacon well done. How many times did you hear that, Jacob, about the bacon? Oh, I'm you know? that person when I go into Waffle House. Sausage well done, grits, grits in a yeah. bowl. Do it right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't ask for it, well done. They'll bring it out and still be oinking, you yeah. know, that bacon. <laughs> so you got to ask for it, well done. And then the raisin toast. And uh, some places were you were you uh, were you frugal with the uh, raise? Uh, what was it? The apple butter. Were you frugal with that? Were you instructed to be frugal? Because it seems like you get one little packet, you know, of that apple butter to go with that raisin toast. No, I was never frugal with any of those things. You know, if somebody wanted them, yeah. they got them. Trying to get tipped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're trying to. Yeah. Everybody's a big fan yep. of the apple butter, though. Oh, God. The apple butter is awesome. I got good with that one packet of apple butter, though. I eventually got to where I could stretch that thing through those, you know, two pieces of raisin toast. I could I could make it work. I didn't I didn't enjoy it, but I could. I could make it work. I think it also depended on what time of day I was in the Waffle House. If I was in the Waffle House at 2 a.m., I may not be as good, as efficient with the apple butter if I were at, say, 10 a.m. You know, it has a lot to do with that. Now, did you work those late-night shifts? And if so, did you uh, did you have any stories that might have gone YouTube viral for us there? No, but uh, I did work in Troy when they had – they. I, I think right as soon as I got hired – uh, the other Waffle House across town had had a big viral story. I don't remember exactly what happened, but wait a no. minute, wait a minute. Troy's got two Waffle Houses. Yes. Wow. <laughs> on, on the town. same road, about five minutes away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> got to be connected by two thirty one somehow. Oh yeah, they're both on two thirty one. Yep. <laughs> you know who's trying to stand up down that way? You probably know this. Ozark. Ozark is trying to stand up down there. You know, kind of the between point from Troy and Dothan. Ozark, Alabama recently got a firehouse subs. I know that's why you listen to this program. So you'll know the exact location of things like the firehouse subs. But they just opened a standalone uh, firehouse there in Ozark. So Ozark trying to get some love. I believe that's the, the hometown of Ronnie Cottrell, former Alabama assistant, Florida State assistant. So there you go. We're tying it all into Burt's Chili in this segment of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Back to the football, though, Jacob, and a couple more tough ones for us to ponder here. Starting corner for Alabama opposite Josh Job against Miami. Jalen Armour Davis. I don't think I don't think Kool-Aid did enough to take it away from him. 
Yeah, you know, we didn't get to see Marcus Banks in the spring game either, and I think he'll still be in that mix. You're right. Jalen Armour Davis basically said practice 1 through 15, come and get it. And I didn't hear nor see anything that would lead me to believe that he handed it over. You went into that spring game. We'll tie this into the next topic. Third wide receiver for Alabama to open that game against Miami. You went into that 8A game kind of expecting some fireworks from Javon Baker, but it really didn't happen. And in large part, it was because Jalen Armour Davis did a really nice job on Javon Baker. So with that, third wide receiver, Jacob, Trayshawn Holden, Javon Baker, Ajay Hall coming off the big spring game. I'm assuming now that we're talking Jonathan Mechie and we're talking Slade Bolden and we got to consider Jamison Williams now. Is Jamison Williams maybe the third guy against Miami? I think Jamison's going to have a, a hard time cracking in just because of how deep it is. I I think there's a lot to be said about the camaraderie between Bryce Young and Treshawn Holden. I think he targeted Treshawn Holden at, at like nine times in that game, uh, and he and he had a touchdown ripped away from him where he he kept a foot in bounds, caught it one handed, had just as spectacular of opportunities as Ajayi Hall. I loved what Treshawn Holden brought to a day. Yeah, I like him. I like him in the in- intermediate game for sure. I think where it's going to be tough to keep Jamison Williams off the field is the vertical speed on the outside to go along with what Mechie can give you. You know, I think both those guys are X type receivers, but Mechie can play the Z. Um, You know, you assume Slade's going to work in the slot, but with the way they cross train these guys at so many positions, I don't know if Slade Bolden can necessarily take the number two spot for granted. When you start bringing in Jojo Earl to go along with Jamison Williams as a summer enrollee and a Jai Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks and these guys that they've signed the last two years. So should be a fun competition. If forced to pick right now and Trayshawn Holden and Bryce Young, they have that whole Cali thing going between them too. Um, I guess I'd go Javon Baker still, but I just won't be surprised if it's Williams because, again, he's going to bring that speed to the mix. Quarterback spots around the SEC involving Alabama opponents. Mississippi State, I think you're on record as thinking Jack Abraham might end up being the guy there. Uh, Jacob, in Starkville, instead of Will Rogers, Abraham, of course, the Southern Miss transfer. Alabama sees Southern Miss on the schedule, but it won't be with Jack Abraham. What about LSU? You think Miles Brennan just jumps right back in there after the injury or are you with us? Are you with us on the team Max Johnson bandwagon, Jacob? Everything I've heard from from well-connected people is that <laughs> is that Miles Brennan will get back in, but Max Johnson's the best name in college football and I'm not deterring. He the lefty will win the job. That's that. Uh, there we go. Nice. Yeah, we agree yeah. there. Tennessee quarterback job. I need to check the transfer portal maybe before I make any calls here because there could be an addition as of a uh, 1054, uh, excuse me, 1154 central time. You know, the spring you had Hendon Hooker, the Virginia Tech transfer in there, Brian Maurer, a veteran of the program now still around. Harrison Bailey looked like he was the hand-picked guy for the Jeremy Pruitt staff, and we saw some of Harrison Bailey last year. Bailey was very good in the spring game. 
So I think I'm going to go Harrison Bailey, and that's understanding Joe Milton now coming into this mix from the University of Michigan. Who do you have as Tennessee's starting quarterback when the Crimson Tide rolls around on the schedule there on October the 23rd? Yeah. Who do you got there, Jacob? I got to stick with Harrison Bailey. Mm -hmm. The Marietta, Georgia product, former teammate of Eric Gilbert, the tight end from LSU. We still don't totally know, by the way, where the heck Eric Gilbert's going to play college football in 2021. Last check, sounded like uh, LSU might be sticking with LSU, Eric Gilbert. Either way, that's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier thanking Jacob Harrison. Always doing a great job of executive production where the program is concerned and so much more with Jacob Harrison. We ask a lot of young Jacob and he, he delivers. The lunch whistle on this Thursday. It is ladies night and the feeling is right at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Always great stuff there at Heat Pizza Bar. You're going to find it each and every day. Specials on those outstanding pies, bar specials as well. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. So until 11 a.m. on Friday, have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.